You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 159. Today's reading is from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. And after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen, until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Today's reading is a parallel gospel passage uh, to what we read on the Feast of the Transfiguration uh, just this past Sunday, which is found in Matthew 17. So, Father, would you take us through the significance of this passage and why the Church designates this as a major feast? Yeah, sure thing, and uh, there's a lot we could cover, so I'll try to hit some of the key points. Uh, The first thing I would want to point out especially since you connected this reading to the calendar of the Orthodox Church and its designation, Transfiguration, as a major feast, is the relationship then between Transfiguration and the upcoming feast of the exaltation or the elevation of the cross, because doing so, connecting these two, helps us to understand the Transfiguration in its larger context. Okay, so what is the connection then between the transfiguration and the exaltation of the cross? The exaltation of the cross is celebrated in the Orthodox Church on September 14 each year, and transfiguration is celebrated on August 6, as you mentioned this past Sunday. It just happened to fall on a Sunday this year. And if you look at the calendar, you'll note that uh, this is the 40th day. September 14th is the 40th day of the Feast of the Transfiguration. And in the Orthodox Church, as in the Bible, the number 40 is a significant number. And what does the number 40 signify in the biblical tradition and in the tradition of our church? It represents a fullness, a completion. We see this in Scripture. Just a few examples. The story of the flood. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. There were 40 days of taunting by Goliath before David rose up against him, and we could use other examples as well, but uh, this should not be taken, I I do not take these examples to be literally, not necessarily a literal 40 days. It's meant to show a fullness or a completion, not to record history in the way that we think about it, that it was exactly 40 days or exactly 40 years. And and let me uh, use an example from the church that illustrates this point. We often talk about Lent, uh, being a 40-day fast. Well, it's not 40 days. If you if you start from Meat Fair Sunday, the entire fast is 56 days. If you start just from Lent to Pascha, it's 49 days. And if you exclude a Holy Week, some people say, you know, it, technically it is a separate 
uh, fast uh, from Lent, but even then, then Lent is only uh, 42 days. But we, we say 40 days as an approximation, as a sign of completeness, of fullness of it being a long time. It's not meant to be uh, a precise or exact measure. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense then, that 40 is used to express an extended time and, and a completeness or fullness of that time. And as a, a chanter and reader in our Orthodox Church, I also would note that sometimes we say the prayer, Lord have mercy, 40 times in a row. And I can tell you from saying that prayer 40 times, it definitely expresses fullness. So with that established, what's the significance of us celebrating the Feast of the Transfiguration on August 6th, and then on the 40th day celebrating the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross? Well, the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross is a reminder to us of Christ's crucifixion. The hymns for that feast uh, laud Christ and the, and the work that he did for us on the cross. And the fact that the church places this feast on the 40th day of transfiguration signals to us that the crucifixion is the fullness or the completion of the transfiguration. And what do you mean by that? The transfiguration shows that when you shine with God's glory, as, as Christ did up on that mountain, that you will be then crucified. That's the significance of that 40 day, uh, 40th day being the exaltation of the cross. If you have God's glory, in other words, you will lay down your life for sinners, for the outcast, for the needy, just as Christ did. You will no longer live for your own selfish will and selfish desires, but you'll pour out yourself for others. This is such a key point of the transfiguration. And, and how so? What, what is a key point, Father? I, I think the tendency for us is to think about this situation in reverse. I think we tend to think that if we're crucified, then we will shine with God's light. But no, that's not how Scripture presents it, nor the way that these feasts are aligned in the Orthodox Church. You cannot be crucified and thus partake of the resurrection unto life unless you're first transfigured by God. That is to say, unless you're completely transformed by God's love, then you will ultimately run from crucifixion, in which case you can forget about the resurrection unto life. Another way of saying this is that there's simply no other way for us to show God's love than to die to ourselves, to be willing to give up everything, to show God's love to the needy, to the undeserving, and Jesus shows us this example because notice how uh, the disciples at the Transfiguration, they want to stay there on the mountain with Jesus and Moses and Elijah. They want to bathe there in God's glory, just enjoying it, relaxing. But Jesus tells them it's not how it works. He tells them to go with him down the mountain to complete the work of God's glory, which, of course, is his crucifixion. And also we can see in the crucifixion icon that uh, Jesus is presented there. It says the king of glory. So the lesson here for us is that we cannot sit around and bask in God's glory. God's glory is working. It's working for the despised. It's leading to our complete outpouring, which for Jesus, who is our example, is his crucifixion. Father, thank you for showing that connection between the transfiguration and the exaltation of the cross and helping us to understand the full meaning, the completion of the transfiguration and, and what it means to truly shine with God's brightness, which is the complete outpouring of ourselves for others. In your last comments, you mentioned Moses and Elijah. Why were they there and, and what do they represent? 
Well, Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets. Uh, Moses, of course, representing the law, and Elijah, the prophets, and then taken together, their presence uh, there at the Transfiguration symbolizes Jesus as being the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Okay, I see. But how how about uh, Peter, James, and John then? Yeah, interesting that Peter, James, and John are so often singled out. This is not, of course, the the only example where they are singled out, uh, where Jesus takes them aside or does something special with them. And in general, I would say that they're included because they're the ones who had the issue with Paul, remember. Uh, It was addressed in Galatians. We've highlighted this on uh, several previous episodes. And a really important point here, that just because someone is an eyewitness to Jesus does not make them better than those of us who were not eyewitnesses. Remember that Paul was not an eyewitness of Jesus' earthly ministry, as were Peter, James, and John. So it's not enough for us to simply witness God's presence. Uh, We must make his presence known to others by the way that we live our lives. The ones with the upper hand, so to speak, are not necessarily the insiders, like Peter, James, and John, uh, clearly being the insiders here, so to speak, among the disciples being being taken aside, being shown this special treatment, yet they still faltered. And so it is with us that just because we're insiders, again, uh, using that term loosely, but by being members of the church, it's meaningless if we do not then behave properly, if we don't behave according to the teachings of Jesus. Uh, those who are outside might often behave better than us and will thus be awarded while we would be condemned. Okay, so final question for me then. Why the the talk about the tents, or as it's sometimes translated, booths? Why is Peter asking if Jesus wants the tents or the booths? Yeah, that's that's a good question, and, and it can really be confusing if, if we don't understand what's going on here. I spoke about this in my sermon uh, on Sunday for the Transfiguration, and I think it is a really important point. Uh, the Transfiguration happened during the Jewish commemoration of the Feast of Booths, or sometimes referred to as the Feast of Tabernacle. And, and during this feast, the, the, the Jews would live in tents or little booths that was to remind them of the Hebrews wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. Remember when they were uh, thrown out of Egypt and before they entered into the Promised Land. And during that time, we know uh, that they carried with them the tabernacle. There was no temple yet. And I talked about this in, in my sermon. In, in the Bible, the tabernacle is viewed more positively than the temple because the tabernacle is movable and thus people do not begin to idolize it or rather its location. And when you have the temple introduced, the Hebrews become uh, like the other nations, the other peoples. They idolize the work of their own hands, the temple that they made. Uh, they idolize the location of the temple, which is, of course, a permanent structure, so it always sits on the same land. It's not like the tabernacle that can can move around. And this is not good because God calls us to be holy in any land, wherever we find ourselves. And then worst of all, the Israelites will spill blood over protecting the temple. Uh, and in fact, I, I also pointed out in my sermon how God himself is said by the prophets to have destroyed the temple for these reasons, because of this idolization of the temple itself and of its location. And so then for Jesus to be transfigured uh, during this feast, this feast of booths, 
it's yet another sign in the New Testament that the tabernacle and the way of the tabernacle, that you can move from place to place, this idea, as we say in the prayers of the Orthodox Church, that God is everywhere present and filling all things. The tabernacle is placed above the temple and the way of the temple. Uh, Jesus calls us not to some holy land that already exists. He calls us instead to make holy whatever land that we may occupy, wherever we find ourselves. And the Christian church, from the very beginning, followed the tabernacle model. You can have a church anywhere. You can become a saint anywhere. We're called not to some holy land, but to sanctify the land on which we reside by putting God's teaching, as expressed by Jesus Christ, into practice, wherever we may find ourselves. And then let me conclude by saying that in, in the book of Revelation, towards the very end of the 21st chapter, we hear that there is no temple in the heavenly kingdom because the Lord God and his Lamb, Jesus Christ, are the temple. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we discuss the Feast of the Transfiguration, its meaning and significance. Father Aaron began by connecting the Feasts of the Transfiguration and the Exaltation of the Cross, the latter being celebrated on the 40th day of the Feast of the Transfiguration. Father reminded us that the number 40 is significant in the Bible and the Church as it represents a fullness or completion. And the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross is a reminder of Christ's crucifixion, which signals to us the fullness, the completion of the Transfiguration. For when you shine with God's glory, you will then be crucified, meaning that when you pour out yourself for others and no longer live for your own selfish will, you will lay down your life for sinners, the outcast, and the needy. Conversely, it's important to recognize that you cannot first be crucified and then partake of the resurrection unto life unless you are first transfigured by God. We then discussed that Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets, and their presence symbolized Jesus as being the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. We then discussed the tense that Peter references in today's reading. This event took place during the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacle. Father stressed that the tabernacle is viewed more positively than the temple, because the tabernacle is movable, and thus people do not begin to idolize it in its location. With the temple, the Jews began to idolize the work of their hands and its location as a permanent structure. But we are called to sanctify the land on which we find ourselves, making holy whatever land we may occupy at the time. God calls us to be holy in any land, as God is everywhere present and fillest all things. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God.